Ooh, it's cold outside. This is the first time in three days that I'm going for a walk. And the reason is that I've been sick. I've had a cold, the common cold, but a pretty severe version of it. Um, so I've been in bed most of Monday. I was still very tired and headaches and was coughing all the time um, on Tuesday. But today, on Wednesday, I'm feeling somewhat better. Uh, you may still hear that um, my head is a bit stuffed and my voice is uh, still not what it is normally. But it's good enough and I, I wanted to go outside. I needed to go outside because I had to vote. Here in the Netherlands, we have our national election for our future government. And uh, I just um, voted here in the voting uh, hall uh, next to the Protestant church in the center of the village. And so I figured, well, since I'm out and about, I might as well grab the microphone and, and record another episode of The Walk. So thank you so much for accompanying me. And I'm glad that I have at least a bit of energy to record this. Being sick is never fun. I was already very grateful that it wasn't COVID. I did a test and it was negative. Um, and it has just all the, the regular symptoms of a common cold. It's not the flu because I've had the flu in the past and that knocks you out completely. But I was, I was still feeling uh, so awful that I, I just didn't want to, to uh, try to work because it would only frustrate myself. Just the, the fact that I can now just let that happen, just let it go. I'm just knocked out for a couple of days and um, I'll catch up later. I don't think that a couple of years ago I would have been able to do that. I would have pushed myself. I did push myself a little bit over the weekend because on Friday I started to uh, feel a bit wonky and the coughing started and I felt it a bit feverish. But on Saturday I, I was asked to um, stand in for someone who was going to speak at a... Um, a big Christian meeting um, about communication. Uh, but that person, for family reasons, wasn't able to do his workshop, and so they called me and asked me if I could do uh, two workshops about how, as ch church communities, you can use social media in an effective way. And even though, of course, I'm not really doing that kind of communication um, it, for for a parish, I still have a lot of experience when it comes to communicating on the internet and um and so i've and, and it was in a in a town not far from here relatively close <clears throat> so it's about half an hour by bus or by train unfortunately the trains and the well the bus there was a bus but the trains didn't didn't uh function there was i think they were doing repairs or something on the tra tra trajectory so you had to take a bus but i couldn't find the bus I was like, okay, on the, on Google Maps, it's only it's only one hour by bike. I'll just I'll just go there. That will be my workout. Normally on Saturday, of course, I've got my running workout, so I'll just make it a bike workout. So I went there, um, and and on the way to the conference, that was totally okay. It was a, it was a nice day, and um, but then on the way back, oh my goodness, I was I was feeling a lot worse than the morning than in the morning when I left. But it was already dark. 
I think uh, the conference ended at about four o'clock, and uh, and at four thirty, the sun sets. Plus, it was raining. It was raining cats and dogs. It was really um, heavy, heavy rain. I fortunately had my rain suit with me, so it comes with trousers. So I knew I, at least for the water, I was well protected, but not the temperature. The temperature dropped considerably with all that cold rain. There was quite a bit of wind that I had in my back in the morning, but now it was uh, totally <laughs> blowing me off course. And because it was raining so hard, I had the phone with Google Maps in the, my inner pocket of my raincoat. So every once in a while, the Google lady would tell me to turn left or turn right. But sometimes I would just not understand what she was saying because it was, it was raining so hard. And so I got lost. And at one point, I found myself in the middle of the, of the, the fields, like where normally you have the cows and everything. And there was not a single house in the, in, in the, in the area. There were no street lanterns. I was riding on a mud road. It wasn't even like a proper bike road, like we have many of those on the countryside. But this was clearly not meant to be... <laughs> Excuse me. I wasn't meant for bikers to use. This was for tractors or something. And so I'm stuck in the mud. It's, it's pouring, and I'm not, I have no idea where I am. Um, so I had to get off my bike every 10 minutes, check the Google Maps, and, and then recalculate the trajectory. It took me more than two hours to get back home. And then the next day, for some strange, inexplicable reason, I was even more sick. Imagine that. I don't know what cost it. <laughs> but I had to replace Father Mauricio. Oh, no, no, not really replace, but I was scheduled to celebrate Mass at the Eucharistic Center, so in the town of Wageningen. And, uh, well, I made it through, but my goodness, the rest of the day I was totally knocked out. And then uh, on, on Monday it got even worse. So, anyway, I've, I've finally slept reasonably well last night. Uh, my throat is still a little bit sore, but it's nothing compared to what I, what I had. And the coughing is also it's changing. It was kind of this dry cough, which hurt a lot when you're, you have a sore throat. Now it's this deeper um, cough. And so I'm trying to cough up the slime, probably, but it's kind of it it it, it doesn't uh, come loose. So I took some medication for that. Hopefully, that will improve. I, I just have to be very careful because since I um, ever since I, I studied in Rome, which is now it's crazy, like more than 20 years ago, <clears throat> in Rome, I've incurred um, pneumonia. And it was due to me working way too hard, almost never taking enough time to sleep. I got ill. I was working in the basement of um, one of the university uh, buildings of the Gregorian University, where it was super humid. There was mold, mold everywhere, but that's where they had put the editing computers, the server. So it was really in, the, in one of the worst places health-wise. And I, I was there all the time because I didn't have a computer. Um, I did have a computer for, for word processing, but nothing for editing. This was in the early stages of 
or the early days of digital video editing and a computer on which you could do video editing would cost i don't know ten thousand bucks it was just insane so they had locked that up somewhere in the in the innards of the gregorian university and so i, I it was getting worse and worse uh and at one time, at one point, my teacher, uh, one of my teachers, uh, television, the guy who taught us how to make television, he was, uh, did, he asked me, did you go to see your, um, the doctor? And I said, yeah, and she gave me medication and this kind of inhaler, and, uh, but it doesn't help. It seems to only get worse. And he said, I don't trust it. I have a friend and he works at a private clinic I'll take you to him. He's a nice guy. He knows me. Um, we'll keep this off the books. In true Italian style. <laughs> so I was just snuck in. I still remember it was like in the middle of nowhere. It was this big hospital. And uh, the guy basically saw me in his spare time. So they did scans and everything. And he said, yeah, um, the doctor who gave you the medication should be uh, arrested <laughs> for malpractice. Because this is... The treatment that she prescribed is something we did like 20 years ago, but this is so, this is completely the wrong thing because you have pneumonia. And so, anyway, he prescribed me uh, other medication and uh, with a lot of rest, it uh, went by. But ever since, I've had um, a, a, a higher, how do you say that, vulnerability to get uh, bronchitis. And uh, it's because of the, the there was a bit of lung damage done in, in because of that uh, untreated pneumonia. So he um, he definitely saved me there, but he told me this might be recurring and 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 so um, one of the things that I do whenever I get these uh, pulmonary problems is to just immediately step on the brakes, just to just drop everything, don't overdo it. Let the body heal itself. So I hope I'm not <laughs> breaking my own rules here by recording an episode of The Walk. <coughs> I may cough from time to time. But so far, so good. It just feels like a, a, a regular cold. Let's hope it doesn't turn into something worse. And <clears throat> I have to say that the fresh air outside, I'm almost here entering the woods, um, is, is, help, is helping me. It's calms my lungs down a bit. So what are we going to talk about other than health-related issues? <clears throat> well, I would like to um, talk about something that I also preached about this past Sunday, which is this famous story that Jesus tells his disciples about um, the kingdom of God. And, and he has that story about the three guys who are given a considerable amount of money talents they were called in in those days and then after a long time the guy who who gave them the money to invest comes back and asks for accountability basically what have you done with my money well you probably are all familiar with the story and also probably already have like the standard interpretation of that my issue with that gospel and with its common interpretation is that it, it's, um, it's a dangerous interpretation. And I'm, I'm talking about the way in which this is usually preached about is 
Well, we all know what talents are, right? Talents is your ability to uh, excel at things. So you may have a talent for, I don't know, drawing. You have a talent for music. You have a talent for sports. And so immediately we are looking at the story as a, in an allegorical way. Um, and we transpose the idea of investing money in, like, we have these talents. And so we are obliged to, to try to get the maximum yield. Now, why is this, why is this dangerous? Of course, it's, it, it's kind of an obvious interpretation. And it's, it's not by accident that, of course, we call these abilities that we have talents. Because it comes straight from the Bible. Um, but it is a risky interpretation. Especially if you um, take this gospel and turn it into a, a, an easy morality tale. So in case you need a refresher, what's the story about? So it's this, this, this rich, I think it's a landowner, I don't know. Uh, a rich dude goes on a, on a trip, which is kind of common in the Gospel of Matthew. There have been some other stories, similar situation where there is the the master of the house and he departs for a long trip and you don't know when he's going to come back you just know that he is at one point and then you'll have to you'll have to confront him or he's going to confront you um, this idea of someone who goes on a on a long trip is of course already an interesting element of those stories where you can imagine that that is a way for Jesus to talk about the kingdom of God, God being the owner of that kingdom. Um, but God doesn't necessarily micromanage. Quite on the contrary, he may feel very far away. He, it may seem as if he's not even there. He's, he's on a trip or whatever. Um, but he's not responding to your calls or to your prayers. And uh, he seems to have left it over to you to do whatever you want. And so some people tend to forget that at one point they will have to um, be accountable. Uh, and so you had that story with the, the ten uh, young women who are going to meet the bridegroom and five of them take oil with them and the other five don't. Um, and here this is a similar thing. They, they get talents and so the... the they, they get different amounts. That's an in, another interesting detail of the story. So one guy gets seven talents. <clears throat> the other one gets five. And then there's one who only gets one talent. And, and you wonder, so why? Why the difference? It would have been a, a easier to explain the story if it was equal amounts. Because then you can, you can, uh, you can measure how efficient they've been. If they, you all give them all like three or four talents, and then you'll just compare someone who yields, I don't know, like 500% increase, probably that's the way to go, you know? But here it's different amounts, so it already makes it clear, in my opinion, that it's, it's, it's not a story about efficiency. It's not a story necessarily about results, per se, or Jesus trying to teach his disciples how they can uh, do better time management and have better marketing skills to <laughs> get the best, the best yield for the kingdom of God. It's about something else. 
So the one who has received, well, now I forget if it was 531 or 75, I think it was 751. Anyway, the one who gets the most talents uh, works with it and he doubles the amount and uh, makes a ton of money. The other one who gets only five also works with it, not as much of a um, uh, uh, profit, but still manages to uh, yield some really good results. There's just one guy who uh, Jesus stipulates is afraid. He says, I, I was afraid of you, the, the, the master, um, because you harvest where you haven't sown and uh, you, uh, you, you, uh, you, you try to extract your profits from where you haven't invested or something like that. And anyway, it's fear. It's, this is stories about fear and how fear can paralyze you. And so what that guy did was he put that one talent underground. He buried it because, of course, they didn't have uh, safes or banks or whatever like we have. So he just somewhere buried it in his backyard and then he dug it back up and he says well here you go this is your money and he gets the brunt of the ire of his master as you lazy guy you you should have at least brought it to the bank and so i would have had uh uh a certain amount of uh of interest on this amount you did nothing so i'll take that money away from you and you'll be cast out you don't i don't i don't want to employ you any longer in my opinion, the way this story has often been interpre interpreted is this is about these extraordinary talents that we have and Jesus wants us to make the most out of those talents. And so if you don't use your talents, Jesus is going to be mad at you. How can this be a bad interpretation? Well, I'll tell you how, how it worked out in my life. Um, since this was immediately transposed in the explanations as having to do with extraordinary talent. So it could be, in my case, I was a very good student. I didn't have to work very hard. I, I was very good at memorizing. I was excellent in languages. I was passionate about anything that had to do with storytelling. So I was an avid reader, which has helped me tremendously in school. Um, so it was very easy for me to get very high notes. So that was a talent. I also had a pretty good musical ear, like all of us in the family. We all had like a lot of love for, for music. And so um, I, I liked singing. I was always singing along. I was always uh, whistling. Um, it would drive my brother and sister to madness. I was always whistling. And I didn't realize that I was whistling. Um, in hindsight, I think it might also have been a bit neurodivergent stuff, like self-soothing or something, because I would always whistle when I was stressed. Um, I was very good at drawing. I loved creating cartoons and, and etc. And with the explanation that those talents have been given to you for a reason, you had to make it... Um, bear fruit not for yourself so talents were not given to you in according to this interpretation so you could just enjoy i don't know making music or enjoy uh speaking other languages or enjoy drawing 
No, it had to be for the kingdom of God, so for others. And so there was always a performative uh, goal to developing these talents. And so we were motivated to <coughs> take uh, piano lessons, which I got very bored of super quickly. I love just making up my own music at the piano. But then all of a sudden I had to play Chopin and Xerny and all these other Polish dudes. And I hated that music. I totally hated that music. I still hate it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love certain types of classical music, but there are just certain composers. I, I just don't, I can't stand that music. But eh, it was a talent, so you had to develop it. And then, of course, there was the performative side of it. it ha you had to show that off. Never, of course, to boast. Because you're supposed to be humble. You're supposed to always even kind of degrade yourself and say, well, I'm not that special because, oh, God forbid that you would be proud of something that you did. That was, that was the straight way to hell, you know. <laughs> you were supposed to always minimize the, what you did um, because otherwise you would be uh, prone to succumb to pride. And pride is one of the worst sins. It's what led... Adam and Eve to be cast out of the Garden of Eden, etc. So um, we were <clears throat> sometimes pushed to to perform for others, and like, oh, sing us that song that you sang the other day, or play us on the piano. And I, I really didn't like to perform on command, uh, especially not w surrounded by strangers who were visiting us for whatever reason. Um, I also really couldn't stand it when um, other people would boast uh, about me. You know, it's, oh, Father, uh, Roderick is uh, such an amazing, look at what he's done, look at what he can do. And it's like, no, 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 no. I don't need other people to to uh, praise me or, no. It felt unearned um, if other people would, <clears throat> would, uh, would boast about me, uh, whereas I at the time, I think, already was quite a bit of a perfectionist, so I only saw the flaws of what I did. It was never good enough. And, uh, and also, you know, if, if people praised me about stuff, it would mean that, to, to, that was the story I was telling myself, that if I would fail at anything, or it would be less than perfect, I would fail Jesus, right? I'd be like the, the guy who has not yielded maximum... Uh, profit from the talents that he had received. And so this, this gospel became almost a um, toxic, um, drive I, to always perfect what I did. And, and also, here it becomes even more dangerous, I felt like everything that I was good at <clears throat> was an opportunity and even an imperative. It was obligatory that I did something with that particular talent for the good of the world. Again, if I didn't, I would disappoint Jesus because he gave me that talent for a reason. And so this all came together in this, in hindsight, very naive faith that everything is part of God's plan. 
Now, I would still say that in, in theology, I would, I would uphold that, that there is God's plan, which is very different from our imagination of what God's plan is, and everything somehow fits in God's eternal providence. Even some of the bad stuff, uh, apparently, and I'm, I'm saying this from experience, um, can have a very positive effect on you or on your learning process. Um, even sin, to a certain extent, can become part of God's plan. It was never part of God's plan in the sense that God wills us to sin. But the ability that we have to do so, to turn away from him, or to reject what he gave us, the talents that he gave us, is, is real, because we have free will and God respects that. But there is, beyond God's plan, there is nothing, literally. So either you are part of God's plan, or, or it's void, and it's, it's death, and it's nothing. So um, in that respect, it's quite... Um, it's scary almost. The things that I do matter, even if they seem very small. But my contribution to the world can have massive consequences. Mm-hmm. Think of every story that we love. Be it Harry Potter, the young boy in the cupboard under stairs, or Luke Skywalker hidden away on Tatooine as a farm boy. Ultimately, the, that one answer, the yes that evokes the yes of the Virgin Mary to the angel um, can literally change the course of world history. And so um, I feel that with with that background, it mattered to make sure that everything I did was part of that plan. Um, And I felt that I was not doing enough if uh, I wouldn't use one of my talents. So for a long time, for instance, I... I thought that the, my ability to speak languages and to learn them very well and to speak them without much of an accent was probably a talent that God gave me so that I could study in the French part of Belgium in French and later on that I would be able to study in Rome and speak Italian and, and work in podcasting since... Um, you know, my English is not too shabby. Even that is already conquering myself to say that, that my English is not too shabby. You notice the... I'm already kind of downgrading. Now, I know that I speak English very well. <laughs> but um, uh, but there's this inner voice of, well, it's not perfect. You can still It's still Father Roderick English. Yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly negotiating <coughs> with myself. So, can I be truly proud of of my abilities or is that is that vanity i would say now no it's just it's a fact (laughs) i do speak more than the average person in the netherlands speaks these languages and so i've always kind of reinterpreted my own story Backwards, like in, in sense, like so. Oh, that's why I had this talent because you see, that's how I ended up in Louvain, and I, I was able to do my master's in philosophy in French, and then later on I was able to study at the Gregorian University. Um, that's why it was so good that I 
that I invested so much of my time in learning these languages. Whereas, of course, it could also be the other way. I just developed these talents and that led to certain opportunities. That's why I never went to, to Germany to study canon law, which at one point was asked of me. And I said, well, gosh, I, <laughs> I'm not a fan of canon law. Um, it's really not my thing, but the problem is my German is pretty hor horrible. I don't speak German very well. I don't like speaking it. So yeah, no, that's not going to fly. What about Italy? Oh yeah, yeah, that's another, that's a good idea. So it became Italy. I didn't speak Italian actually, but uh, I felt more at ease because it felt closer to the language that I already knew I spoke well and I loved opera. So I wasn't against learning a bit of Italian so I could sing along with my favorite operas. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, 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 the kind of the darker side of this idea that you have to develop the talents that you, uh, you've been given, these wonderful abilities, is this frenetic run, this rat race to do everything. Like, I'm I've been interpreting so much that happened in my life as, oh, as a sign. This is God who wants me to do... Even encounters that I had. Like, you meet someone and that person is like, oh, I'd love to um, involve you in this or this project. And without any discernment of my part, I felt like this is an opportunity. This is a another talent that has been thrown my way. And I know I can do it, so I have to do it. All this leads to anxiety that you're failing at at using the talents that God gave you. And the last place you want to end up in is the being the guy who puts his talents and God-given gifts under underground and would bury it. <clears throat> so um I I do believe that it's important to reinterpret this story maybe in a slightly more biblical uh, knowledgeable, knowledgeable way. So, in fact, speaking of these talents, uh, going back to the beginning of uh, what I told you, this, it's an amount of money. And, in fact, and I no, only know this from uh, other sources, um, it, was a t it was a really a lot of money. The total sum, I think, would be around 300,000 euros. Thereby, of course, making it clear that these are insane amounts of money, that, that there is a lot of trust that is put in these servants. Um, but there is so much money that in, if the guy doesn't show up for years, it could easily, you could go into retirement right away. That is basically money for a lifetime. And that's, I think, where you get closer to what Jesus may have wanted to convey to his disciples. This is about the gift of life. And the fact that these guys get different amounts of money is because not everybody gets to live the same amount of years. Which I, I think in, in Jesus' time was a very, very normal assumption. Some people would get very old and other people would just die early. Um, and to a certain extent that is still the case. You never know how long you, you get to live. But if this is, is life money, then it becomes a little bit clearer that Jesus is talking to his disciples about the way that they invest their lives. And so this is not 
about the ability to play the trumpet or to speak languages. This is, this is not Jesus telling you that everything that you do has to serve a purpose. No, it's about your life being part of God's plan. And the only thing, apparently, that hampers God's plan is not your ability to invest, because the guy with a lot of money makes even more money than the guy who only has five talents, but it's fear. It's, it's paralysis. That is what, what's blocking God's plan. And then it becomes so um, clear, I think, why this story is part of the stories that have been transmitted to us. Because if there's one thing that Jesus says to his, to his apostles, his closest friends, most of the time is, do not fear. Have no fear. It's me. I am with you. Do not fear. Be courageous. Don't be afraid when they bring you in front of judges and they want to condemn you. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Um, it's all very soothing language of Jesus. So the last thing he wants his disciples to do is to lock themselves up out of fear. The, for me, this is a game changer, this interpretation, because it liberates me to look at the things that I do very well with a certain amount of freedom as, and literally see it as a gift, a free gift. If, if you would stay, stick with this very moral interpretation of that story, like, oh, it's a gift, but you'd better do something with that talent. You'd better make sure that you become a great piano player or, I don't know, study in France or in Italy because your languages, etc. Um, it's not a f- actually not a very nice gift. It becomes a gift with um, a second agenda. It's like you, 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 remember, you know these people. They give you something. I'm trying to find a good example. It's a gift that is not actually a gift for you, but it's a gift for the other person. Like, I'm just going to make something up. But say you have someone who is not very good at, um, at uh, bike repairs. And uh, that person gives you a repair kit for bikes. Whereas you, yeah, you have a bike, but eh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, think of bike repair as a as a one of your favorite things to do so instead oh my gosh there's a lot of mud and water here uh let me just go and walk the parallel road between the trees here uh but you feel that that, that well, oh well that person wants me to repair her or his bike and so or oh i know a better example uh, my my dad, uh, um, when he retired, my my dad liked food, but he didn't like to cook. And so when he retired, um, they wanted his his brother and and sisters wanted to give him a gift. So they inquired, probably with my mom, what should we give him? And she told them, give him uh, kitchen knives. So. <laughs> 
you'll feel the pressure. And that's what they did. They, they each gave them, uh, each sibling gave him a knife or well, a kitchen tool. Most of them were knives. And with their name on it, inscribed on the knife. It was like this German knife set. I still have it. Um, they're not very good knives. Actually, I should throw them away, but for some reason I was holding on to them. Um, but the, the message was clear. This was a gift with uh, actually uh, uh, a hidden agenda. You'd better learn how to cook because now that you're retired, it's your, it's your time to cook. And mm, I remember my mom often complaining that she, she didn't want to cook. She hated cooking uh, because she'd been doing that all her life. And uh, yeah, she just ran out of inspiration <laughs> to, to cook. So I think there was this, this kind of hidden clause to the gift that he now had better get his butt into the kitchen. <laughs> but um, of course he never did, because that's usually not the way that you um, motivate people. <laughs> but it's... it's this this is why I think that that the moral interpretation of the of the gospel is is a bit too human, um, and if you push it to the extreme, may prevent people from just enjoying um, being creative for for creativity's sake. I have a, a very good friend of mine um, who who loves to draw and paint, and I had a conversation with him a couple of years ago, and. I was like, yeah, but I feel like every time I sit down and I, I, I just love to paint, but I feel like it's, it's sinful. It's, a, I'm not sure if he said it that way, but it, it feels like I'm not using it for the kingdom of God, and I should. And so I said, well, but being creative in itself is already honoring God, because you're, you're, you cannot be creative without the Holy Spirit working through you, and. A lot of the greatest art in the world didn't have a purpose. It's art for art's sake. So please do me a favor and just spend time on just creating whatever you want. It doesn't have to have a purpose. Well, that person went on to still create a lot of religious art and then making it available to other people. There's nothing wrong with that. But it was a wake-up call because what I advised him was what I should have told myself. Is it's okay to enjoy things. And to be able to to be good at things without it always serving the greater good. Because this this parable is not about these extraordinary talents in the way that we understand them. But this is how do you live your life? Is your life... Are you making sure that your life is part of God's plan? Are you trying to discern God's plan... Or are you afraid of God? Is, or are you afraid of judgment in general? And then it becomes so much more relatable. If this is the fear of judgment, oftentimes we are unable to express ourselves freely because we are afraid that other people will judge us, will think this or that of us. This is what... Um, for, some, for, for a lot, quite a few Christians, actually, it's, it's quite a bit of a problem. But they feel like, well, I, ca- I can't really share my thoughts because, well, is it, I'm not sure if that's Catholic enough. In its extreme form, it can lead to... Wait, let me go to the left. I'm trying to debate how to get past this big pool of mud here in the middle of the road. Um, 
thankfully I'm wearing actually now that I think of it I'm wearing my um, my walking boots the, the my my new hiking boots with the 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 3D printed soles so these are actually very much for this kind of muddy environment I'm walking around as if I'm walking on my Sunday shoes which is not the case I I shouldn't be afraid again I shouldn't be afraid <laughs> of the mud um so the um, this was a squirrel. Now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> Only one squirrel this this episode of the walk. Isn't that amazing? You see, I'm learning how to deal with my ADHD. Uh, but um, the uh, <clears throat> the problem is if you if you feel like everything you do and say has to be congruent with your Christian identity and what people expect, and then it's not truly lived Christianity or faith. It, it, there is a risk that it becomes something you want to project. And you know that you have other sides that people may actually not be very happy with and may judge you for. And so, and, and, and then if you're not careful, that could lead to a very inauthentic life where you present yourself in a certain way and you hide all the other things that you feel and think and value because you feel like, well, if people know the real me, they won't like me anymore. That's the kind of fear that you see in that parable. Where the guy is like, well, I, I, I was afraid that you would judge me. And so I was hiding away, in a way very much like Adam and Eve did uh, in the Garden of Eden. They were, they were ashamed. They were afraid of God. And so they were actually the ones who walked away from God. Um, this is what I would like to share with you, what I wanted to share with you on this episode of The Walk. And I know that there are many different uh, aspects to this, but this is how it speaks to me today. And I have to say that ever since I kind of, I'm learning to let go of that fear of judge, of being judged, being more myself, including as a priest, you know, for, for a long time, I felt like there's only one way to be a priest, and that is the, the, the way that everybody expects me to be a priest. And I always knew that I was far, very, very different from a, a number of my colleagues. And so, but I was also trying to be a geek and a priest. But still, the, the geek part of me had to serve a certain purpose. It always had to be educational. And this, this would... would lock me down sometimes I, I didn't know like I, I didn't know how to just enjoy movies and whatever without always looking for a way to use it for evangelization and education and whatnot hey doggy hey buddy hello yeah what's that yeah that's a microphone <laughs> hello <laughs> <clears throat> so um anyway i can i can go on actually in fact i will go on for my patrons for another mile or so uh but uh, but for this uh, for this part of the of the walk i want to thank you for for your time i hope you enjoyed this uh and <clears throat> uh we'll, we'll we'll talk soon um check out my website fatherroderick.com for all my other uh, content. And um, if you know people that might 
like to listen to this stuff. <laughs> They're trying to be, I don't know, people of faith and at the same time geeks. And I, I don't know. There may be so many reasons for people to uh, listen or not to uh, to my 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 talks or walks. Uh, pass it on. Pass it on. Please spread the word. And um, we'll we'll talk soon. Take care and God bless.